0: It's just more conservative underwriting on what your income is actually going to be from that property and the additional legal expense required to deal with situations like that. And if you do that upfront, you're pretty well prepared for it when that inevitably does happen.
1: As a loyal Best Ever listener, you know that it's important that we as entrepreneurs focus on managing our time effectively, which is why we're always looking for ways to automate the basic duties of our business so that we can focus more time on our money-making activities. That's why I want to introduce you to Rentler.com. At Rentler, landlords and property managers can perform all their duties in one place. Rentler offers tools that allow you to automate tasks like listing a unit for rent, finding and screening tenants, collecting rent, and managing the maintenance requests. And even better, these tools are offered at zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash ever. That's tryrentle com forward slash best ever to get started today. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Anthony Palmiato. How you doing, Anthony?
0: Doing great, Joe. Great to be with you.
1: Well, nice to have you on the show and a little bit about Anthony. He is the managing partner of Odyssey Real Estate Group. His group acquires value-add multifamily properties throughout New Jersey and the surrounding area. He focuses on repositioning the assets through better management and property renovations based in Toms River, New Jersey. With that being said, Anthony, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
0: Sure, absolutely. So I did grow up in central New Jersey, born and raised, went to school in New Jersey, the College of New Jersey, actually. And while I was there, I got involved with a network marketing company, and during that time, somebody introduced a book to me called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and probably just like many of your listeners and guests on the show, you read that book, it flips the switch, realized that everything I had thought about business internally was kind of put into print, and I later read other books and decided to own and manage apartment buildings. So from there, I kind of had a choice and wanted to figure out, well, what did I want to do? And I thought, if I'm going to buy apartments, I need to figure out, A, how to do that, and B, how to get the money to do that. At the time, not realizing about syndication. So I looked at it as I can either get a job as a property manager and learn the business that way, or maybe get a job as a multifamily broker and learn the business that way as well. So I opted for the latter, being that I had an aptitude for sales already. So as a broker, I began listing and selling apartment buildings and learning the business. And after a few years, I started buying my own deals and we're now up to three properties, 15 units, but growing pretty quickly and just closed on our most recent purchase just a few weeks ago.
1: Great. Congrats on that latest purchase. What'd you buy?
0: Most recently, we bought a 10-unit apartment building in a town called New Egypt, New Jersey. We bought it direct from the seller via direct mail is actually how we sourced it.
1: Really? Really? I thought there are no deals at all in such a hot market across the United States. You just can't find any deals.
0: If you listen to most people, that's probably what you would think. And being in New Jersey, everybody says, oh, the cap rates are so tight. And as a broker, I know that many deals do trade at five, five and a half cap rates, even sub five cap rates in certain cases. But if you're willing to put a little bit of work in, and we just did one direct mail campaign, we were able to buy this 10 unit building and believe it or not, on real numbers, it was a 10% cap rate. So uh, (laughs) fantastic deal. Wow, and it's also a value add deal? It's also a value add deal. The rents on each apartment are probably on average about $200 below market.
1: Wow, and how much do you need to put into the units in order to achieve that $200
0: premium? As I said, we just purchased the property about two weeks ago, so we haven't put our plan into place yet, but we're budgeting probably somewhere between $7,000 and $8,000 per apartment and $200 is actually pretty conservative. Some of the rent pops might be as much as 250 or more.
1: Did you buy this with your own money or did you bring in partners?
0: We actually were able to purchase this with our own money as if it wasn't already a pretty good deal. We actually were able to get the seller on this one to hold the first mortgage, which made the deal much easier and much better from our perspective.
1: And will you elaborate on what holding the first mortgage means?
0: Well, first of all, we found him through direct mail, and as we expanded dialogue with this seller, we came to an agreement on price, and I basically said to him, would you be interested in holding their first mortgage, meaning you be the bank, I'll put a down payment and then make payments to you. Most people would initially think that there's really no reason to do this on the seller's side because he wants to get paid now and don't want the deal, but there are a few reasons that you would. Number one is that it makes it much simpler in that there's no bank involved. Number two is that you don't have a particularly big capital gains tax to pay right this second because you're getting paid your money over time. And number three, this seller was an older gentleman who originally built the building. So what this was going to allow for him is to still receive cash flow from the property but not have to actively manage the property anymore. So when I kind of laid it out for him in those terms, it seemed like a good idea to him and his brother who was his partner and they agreed to do it.
1: What were the terms?
0: The brother was not really on board for doing this for long-term, so we ended up doing an 18-month note at 4% with a 20-year amortization. That worked out just fine for us because in today's world with interest rates rising, we decided that we're going to go ahead and refinance immediately and go to a traditional lender and try to pull cash out of this property. And I actually have a term sheet sitting here on my desk, and we got fantastic terms. So while we were able to use the seller financing to acquire the deal and close quickly, we'll now put some permanent commercial financing on it, get all of our money back, and then some more on top of it, which would be great for us to go out and buy the next deal.
1: Any prepayment penalty on the seller financing?
0: No. And we were pretty particular about making sure that was not in there, knowing that we were going to probably refinance rather quickly. Mm -hmm. And so I actually just got terms from a bank for a seven-year note at four and a quarter percent. But They're valuing the property at $900,000 based on our numbers and are willing to lend about 75% of that. So all in all, just everything kind of fell into place on this one.
1: Oh, that's great. What did you buy it for?
0: We ended up paying uh, (laughs) $500,000, which again is amazing considering it's very routine in New Jersey for properties to sell well over $100,000 per unit. And if you just scratched the surface and took a cursory look at LoopNet, you would probably think that to be true. But if you go the extra step and do some direct mail, you can find good deals. And so not only did we pay 500, we put about $125,000 down, which we'll get back in the refinance. And then we're looking at maybe another $175,000 cash out on top of that. Plus we still have the value A component to the deal, which we'll implement over time.
1: That's incredible. Let's dig into how you got the deal. You mentioned direct mail. Can you provide some more context around that?
0: Sure. Direct mail was always pretty intriguing to me. I had heard guests on your show and other places talk about the success they'd had with it. But what I noticed is that most people doing direct mail are targeting single family homes. So I just figured why not do the same thing to source deals, but just target multifamily homes. So I just downloaded the property records off the state website for a few counties in central New Jersey and pretty much took the assessed values of properties that would be in the size range I was looking for and just mailed them yellow letters I only sent out about 350 to 400 letters I think it was that matched my parameters and the really interesting part was that it's commonly said in the direct mail space if you get a one percent or maybe a two percent response rate you're doing a pretty good job we actually got something like a five percent response rate and I think the reason is we had a nice mail piece and it looked good it definitely got people to open it but these people who own multifamilies they don't get direct mail if you ask anybody who owns a property that they don't live at, and it's a single family home, they probably get these letters all the time, whereas these multifamily owners do not. So I think it definitely caught their attention in that respect. And as such, we probably got 15 or so calls off this one mailing.
1: That's incredible.
0: What did the yellow letters say? I don't pretend to be the smartest person in real estate, and there's no reason to reinvent the wheel a lot of times. So I literally just Googled for examples of yellow letters and <laughs> What I actually did was I printed on yellow copy paper. I printed a template in Microsoft Word with lines on it. So it kind of looked like line paper. And more or less, it just said that I'm a local real estate investor looking to expand my apartment portfolio. I'm interested in paying you the highest and best price for your property. I can close quickly and look forward to hearing back from you. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that was yeah. really it. And I did do a couple of things that I think helped get the letters opened. Even though I printed all the letters and didn't handwrite them, I did write call me in big red letters by hand on each letter just so that there was a personal touch to it. And then as far as the actual envelope itself, this was a pretty good trick, I thought. Rather than printing the envelopes and not being personal or on the other end of that spectrum, handwriting 400 envelopes, which is very time-consuming, We printed address label stickers, but we put them on a little bit crooked and just highlighted the guy's name or the woman's name who owned the property in yellow highlighter. Mm. And the fact that it was a little crooked and a little off, um, I think (laughs) think that got a really good response rate. And next thing you know, we found a deal from it. So I guess it worked.
1: The takeaway is when we do direct mail, do something so that it doesn't look like a robot is sending it to them.
0: Exactly. I think if you use the window envelopes, it looks like a bill or something. So you wanted to make it look like it came from an actual person.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. That is really helpful. Thank you for sharing that. And the deal itself, that's 10 unit. Now you said you have three properties, 15 units. So I imagine this 10 is part of the 15. Is that right?
0: That's correct. Our first property was actually a single family home that we rented to students. And I'm 50-50 on these three properties with my partner, but we didn't have a lot of cash to get going when we first started it. And in New Jersey, properties are much more expensive than in other parts of the country. And so what we could afford was a single family home that we rented to students and figured that was kind of like managing an apartment building. And that was a great deal for us. And once we did our first deal, that was super important because it, it was a proof of concept. We knew we could do it. And so we just then went on to a four family house and then later the 10 unit
1: You mentioned it was your first direct mail marketing campaign, but how long were you looking for deals prior to sending out that direct mail campaign?
0: That's a great question. There is plenty of deals out there. They're not necessarily good deals. So we had spent, I think, May of 2017, we closed on our four-unit property. And Again, we thought that was a pretty good deal and we were ready to go bigger. So starting that summer, so really summer 17 to spring of 18, about nine months, we had our eyes out for a good, small multifamily deal. And there really wasn't anything out there that was going to generate the type of returns that we were looking for. So really nine months of nothing. And then within two weeks after sending out a direct mail campaign, we had a deal.
1: How many direct mail campaigns have you sent out since that first one?
0: Honestly, I got a deal off the first direct mail campaign, so we went through the process to close that deal, and now we're going through the refi and I actually have not sent out subsequent direct mail campaigns yet because now we're going bigger and we're going to have some cash out and some more capital and probably raise money for the next deal, so we have to kind of retool the parameters for the next direct mail campaign and but hopefully we'll be doing that probably within the next few weeks, but one campaign and one deal I think was a pretty good uh, success rate, so
1: <laughs> Absolutely. During those 9 months between your four unit and finding the 10 unit, what were you doing to look for properties?
0: We did a couple of things. I still am a multifamily broker is my day job. So you know, I kept an ear to the ground. I sell buildings in Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey. So I just kept an ear to the ground for properties that were in central New Jersey, which is not where I list buildings, but where I was buying buildings. I did check out things that were on LoopNet and just networking events, trying to find out who might have deals or who was selling or anything like that. So I didn't really come up with much. There was a lot of deals to be looked at and nothing really that was too appealing, to be honest. Mm
1: -hmm. In terms of the team that you have in place for this 10 unit property, how are you going to execute the business plan?
0: That's a great question. So right now, uh, as I said, my partner and I are are 50-50. I'm a very sales oriented, like go, go, go type person. He's the CPA He's a little bit more conservative. So we have very complementary mindsets and skill sets, I think. So really, as the units turn over, we're going to implement property renovations. We do have one part-time maintenance worker and some additional help, family, friends and such. But it's at the point now, which is kind of exciting now, we can start building out a team. And This is probably a spot where a lot of people who are in our position, who have a few properties are in, where to scale from here, you kind of start needing to have more of a plan in place. And so we do have some part-time help. We do have some friends of the family who are contractors and such, and we'll have to grow that side of the business to be able to efficiently renovate units and bump rents and expand the portfolio.
1: New Jersey is a tenant-friendly state, right? (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, very, very, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. (laughs) Yep. Any unique challenges because it's a tenant-friendly state when implementing a business plan for a value-add deal?
0: There are certain challenges. The one thing that's going to affect all deals, whether it's a value add deal or not, is that if you have a tenant who doesn't pay, it can be a very difficult process to get somebody out. In certain states, it's done in a matter of weeks. In New Jersey, it's always going to be months typically. And it's just something you have to factor into your turnover and factor into your numbers when analyzing deals. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, there's good and bad because New Jersey, especially in central and northern New Jersey, the vacancy rate is probably as low as it is anywhere in the country. So, There is good and bad, but it's just something you have to factor in up front, knowing that for bad debt and things like that, that's going to be a more long, a tougher process to manage in terms of getting tenants out.
1: When you're underwriting, how do you factor that in?
0: Even though vacancy rates in New Jersey might be 2%, 3%, I'm still underwriting deals with vacancy rates, maybe double that. Because even though there's ready, willing, and able tenants to rent your property, those units are going to be stuck not producing rent if you have a tenant that stops paying and it's going to be down for two to three months where there's no income generated. So it's just more conservative underwriting on what your income is actually going to be from that property and the additional legal expense required to deal with situations like that. And if you do that upfront, you're pretty well prepared for it when that inevitably does happen.
1: Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: I would have to say that you need to have a specific focus I think a lot of people that I've worked with in the past or have talked to want to chase the shiny object and first they want to flip and then they want to wholesale, then they want to buy apartments, then they want to do note investing. It's my opinion that maybe you should get really good at one particular thing. And then maybe later on, if you want to branch out, do that, but get really good at one thing first and then branch out. And I guess the second thing I would say is just take action. Even myself, I could have done this earlier you'd be surprised what you can do if you just start. And most people analyze things way too much and never actually get around to doing a whole lot of anything.
1: We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You looking for a one-stop landlording software that helps you create listings, find and screen tenants, and accept rental payments while managing maintenance requests? Oh, by the way, it's zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever. Adam Adams has one of the most active meetup groups in the world. I've personally been to one of his meetups and Adam packed that house with over 80 investors at lunch and another 60 on the waiting list. Find out the exact six things he did to create one of the top meetups on the planet by texting the word meetup to 555-888. Best ever book you've read.
0: Best ever book would be the ABCs of Real Estate by Ken McElroy, or maybe 10X Rule by Grant Cardone.
1: Best ever deal you've done that wasn't the last one, that 10 unit, some other deal.
0: I would say probably my first ever deal. It was a single family home that I rented to students. We bought the property for $180,000 and it's now generating about 2850 a month in rent. It's an absolute cash cow. But more importantly for us, it was a proof of concept that just taking action and getting a deal, it works. And if you just follow the blueprint of people who have been successful, you can do it yourself too, and it's it's not too terribly difficult.
1: Twenty fifty is that two thousand fifty dollars in rent?
0: I'm sorry, $2,850. twenty eight fifty,
1: two thousand eight hundred fifty. Oh it is a cash cow. <laughs> two thousand eight hundred and fifty. I did the twenty fifty and that was a one point one percent. And then this one is 1.5%, what, and what I did, but I know you know, Anthony, but the best ever listeners, what I did, and most of you know, is just took the monthly rent divided by the all-in price, and that's a, I tend to wanna to be somewhere between one and 5% ideally. They say 2%, but I very rarely interview people who get the 2%. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction?
0: A mistake I've made, maybe more generally, is probably just taking too long to start. I definitely had some deals that came up and I passed by and I did not execute on them just because I felt like I wasn't ready. But in hindsight, I was definitely more than ready. And then maybe when I did start, probably starting too small, I think we're capable of much more than we realize. And you should start where you're comfortable, but typically you could be more comfortable doing bigger deals if that's what you're ready for right off the bat. Like I think a 10 unit could have been my first deal if I was going back to do it all over again.
1: How much did it cost monetarily to send out the direct mail from start to finish?
0: The cost of postage was probably something like $200 and other supplies, let's just call it $250 and then whatever you value my time at. Mm-hmm. But actual cash out of pocket, call it 250 bucks. And given the fact that the bank is valuing this building now at $900,000, we made $400,000 of equity day one when we closed. So. I would say investing 250 to do that <laughs> was, a, was a pretty good deal.
1: Just a couple follow-up questions. The 10 cap on, I assume those are the trailing 12 financials?
0: Unfortunately, and this is going to happen a lot when you're dealing with smaller apartment buildings and these mom-and-pop type owners, he doesn't have sophisticated financials. So I was kind of piecing together what he did have and taking averages over the past 12 months. But I did have, for the most part, trailing 12 numbers. And yeah, we're looking at a $51,000, 52000 net operating income. So just north of a 10 cap.
1: Why did he sell it for 500000 If you know, a couple weeks later? You said it closed a couple weeks ago, right? Correct. A couple weeks later, it's now valued by a bank at around 900.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And the honest truth is this guy built the building about 30 years ago. He's been managing it ever since, and he wanted to retire. He had a number in mind that he wanted. He named his price, and I found out that price was not really the significant factor for him. What he wanted was somebody who was going to close quickly, somebody who was not going to retrade the deal or, in other words, ask for money off the deal during due diligence, and somebody he could trust. So once I got to meet him and build some rapport, He trusted me. He liked me. He wanted to do a deal with us. And he kind of gave us his price, take it or leave it. So I would have to say, because of the fact that price was probably the third or fourth most important thing to him, that was a price he was comfortable with. And that was a price he was comfortable to execute the deal at.
1: Any tips when having conversations with owners who call us about their properties that you can provide us with?
0: I would say the number one thing that I did accidentally that I would make sure to always do now is never give your price first. If I had to make a blind offer on this property, I probably would have offered him something like six hundred and fifty or seven hundred thousand dollars. And in hindsight that would have been a two hundred thousand dollar mistake. So I just very respectfully told him I did not want to waste his time. He's much more familiar with the building than I am and I'm sure he's thought about it and given it some thought as to what he wanted for that property. And if he wants to share a number with me, I'm happy to let him know if I can do that price. And so that's kind of the route I took and he gave me that number, and I was blown away when that's what he said he wanted. It's
1: great stuff, and uh, thank you for those additional talking points about he or she being more familiar with the building than we are, and I'm sure that they have a price in mind, and you don't want to waste their time. So what are they looking for? That's a great way to reframe that. What's the best ever way you like to give back?
0: I'm actually a big fan of St. Jude's Children's Hospital. I always try every year, especially during the holidays, to give what I can to that organization. I think they do great work, and I'm still in my 20s, but when you're in your early 20s, you can give not that much, you don't have that much. And so as my business continues to grow, I really hope to be able to expand uh, contributions to St. Jude's and just do fantastic work, and I'm proud to, to support that hospital and that organization.
1: How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you?
0: Sure. We have a website, odysseyrealestategrp.com. And if they go on there, our contact and our emails are on there. And we're very easy to get a hold of and happy to help anybody with any questions or anybody who might be in the same shoes as me and trying to grow their portfolio.
1: So helpful and inspiring and very practical. Hey, best ever listeners, you want a deal. You want a 10 unit deal off market with seller financing where you buy it for like. I don't know, $0.60 on the dollar or something like that, then do direct mail and here, Anthony, not we, Anthony talked about how to do it. Just Googled examples for yellow. (laughs) I love this. You just Googled what should I write in a yellow letter. You put it in there. You had a call me in big red letters. That's in the letter itself, right? Correct. Was that handwritten? Yes. And then on the envelope printed the label stickers and then highlighted the individual's name and put the label stickers on a little crooked to make it more personal. I've heard of investors draw pictures of a house but in crayon on the letter (laughs) and that stands out. Basically anything to make it more personalized is the way to go and Anthony sent out what was it 350 to 400 letters and you got about Ten to fifteen phone calls and one deal, and holy cow, it definitely was worth the time. I think for ninety nine point nine nine percent of the population, that is an effective use of time. It's an effective use of dollars for anyone, no matter what their net worth is. But for the majority of people on earth, that's an effective use of their time with this type of return. So there's the template. There's an approach for how to get off market deals. You and I talked at Dave Van Horn's conference, right?
0: That's correct, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we we talked for a little bit. The first 25% into our conversation, then it triggered. I was like, oh, yeah, we met because I actually asked you to be on the show because you told me about this off-market deal that you bought, and I was like, we got to share this, and so I'm very grateful that you spent some time with us sharing this and I know a lot of the best ever listeners are grateful too. There are ways to get deals in this market, any other market, just got to roll up our sleeves a little bit and get after it. And thank you so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, Anthony, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks so much. You too.
1: Adam Adams has one of the most active meetup groups in the world. I've personally been to one of his meetups and Adam packed that house with over 80 investors at lunch and another 60 on the waiting list. Find out the exact six things he did to create one of the top meetups on the planet by texting the word meetup to five 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 eight eight eight.